Welcome to another edition of the Rural Alliance UK podcast, episode 219, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. My name is Matthew Turner, alongside Anthony Fitzpatrick, and our guest from the UK and Irish Packers, Peter Jones. How are you doing, boys? Doing good, thank you. I'm doing really good, and thank you very much for having me on. I'm delighted that you're you're here again, Peter. We had you, obviously, during the draft process, but for those that aren't into the draft or missed it, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we kick off? Yeah, so I've been a... Packers fan for more years than I care to mention, 40-something. Um, and, yeah, a huge NFL fan, huge Packers fan. And uh, very early on as an NFL fan, I got into this thing called the the draft, which, you know, was quite different to anything that we have here. And so I've been, you know, kind of doing stuff around the draft for many, many years. Um, and I really, I really, really enjoy it. And, yeah. I've been to Lambeau quite quite a number of times. Been to both the Silver Dome and Ford Field to see the Packers play play there, win and lose. Um, Thanksgiving Day games. So yeah, just a huge fan. And it would be remiss of me not to give a shout out to my podcast home, which is the AVG Cheese podcast as well. Yeah, please to go. Thanks and for having. Check thanks for out. having me on. Of course, anytime, Peter. I'm just going to do a little bit of preamble before we get into this. So. Our Discord channel is is going some, so you guys should come and join us for this Thursday's game. There's a link in the live chat on Twitch and YouTube right now. Come and say hi. You can chat with me and Ant and the gang all week long before the game. And then into the off-season, we have some good fun talking about other sports from around the world too. Uh, college football podcast, Ant, is tomorrow. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, so we're just going through our regular review of the previous week, week four, and then we'll be looking ahead to week five. As Pete mentioned, all the big games and conference games have start now, and um, there are a lot of frauds who need out in this week, and and we are going to do that, so there's some teams who we're not happy with. But yeah, it's good fun. Come, come check us out. Please don't forget to like the episode, sub to the podcast, and rate and review and all that good stuff. You know how it helps out small content creators like, like us, so much appreciated for you guys doing that. And please don't forget to add Lions Nation Unite on Facebook. That's Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators together. You'll find us there along with Micro Mike and Dose of Dion and all of your favorite Lions content creators. So lionsnationunite.com and facebook.com slash lionsnationunite. We are Twitch affiliated and YouTube monetized. And there's a tip jar down below uh, like Carlton has just done. So thank you very much, Carlton, for that. If you want to show some love during the show, then that is very much appreciated. There's also a feedback form too, if there's any... Uh, suggestions you have for the show, any content you'd like to see, any constructive criticism, then that's in the YouTube description. Please don't hold back. Right. Little bits and pieces of news coming out. Sam Laporta and Brian Branch and nominated for Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Week for their performances against Atlanta in week three. And it looks like news coming out today that Dave Montgomery and Decker are trading up, uh, trending up for Thursday for the lines looks like they'll be playing, but so will Aaron Jones and Christian Watson for the Packers and what you make of the rookie of the week nominations it feels justified 
Well, I'm I'm really confused because you know all the Twitter draft experts said we had a terrible draft, so I, I kind of wasn't expecting anything from any of our rookies this year. But anyhow, as we know, Brad Holmes is great at what he does, and we love Branch. I mean, ever since he stepped foot in rookie mini camp before OTAs, he has just exceeded any and all expectations we had. You know, now that CJ is out, you know, we bought him in as a long-term replacement for CJ if we weren't going to keep him. He's he's already doing that job. Like, he's already providing that presence you want in there. And just the maturity he's shown is is incredible. And, and with Sam, Sam has been great as well. I mean, you know, I, I'm still a big fan of James, of James Mitchell. And, you know, I thought Brock, given how much he's played in the team, I thought they would introduce him, like, slowly. Now, he wouldn't get so many reps so early, but again, he's another who's just excelled all throughout the offseason and has come into this team, and he looks really, really good. His blocking's far better than what we saw on the tape in terms of like the run game blocking that was the problem when we did that. He's He's been immense with that. He's gone, done the down and dirty stuff, and now they're rewarding him. You know, with the deep throws down the field, they're scheming him open. They They trust him, that big play he had the other day. Like the route was run perfectly, and to trust him in that situation is it's a big show of faith. So I'm not surprised they they are balling out. They are, you know, every player we draft now. There's a reason we do. They all have the same sort of identity, the same sort of mindset, work ethic, all that sort of stuff. And these guys just come in. They don't care if they're rookies. They'll come and make an impact. So I'm I'm delighted, and I think they're both both quite worthy of it. They're they're going to be big players on this team very quickly. And Peter, that injury report for both teams was pretty long yesterday, but it looks like key players are going to be back for both sides. Yeah, I mean, the the Watson news surprises me if that if that happens. I I, I was counting on Watson not playing on on Thursday, given that he's he's, he's not played to this point. Um, although they didn't practice yesterday, he was nominally a did not participate yesterday. Um, so I've not seen the participation for today, but I, I'm i still not sure whether Watson will play. Um, Jones, I expect to play in a lim- in a limited role. He, he was just about ready for Sunday's game, just gone. So it doesn't surprise me that Jones will play. Um, and they need him, right? They need to supercharge that, that running game. Um, but yeah, Watson would be a surprise and, and a bonus. So I think... I think we have to wait and see on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's interesting from the Lions' perspective because I think that, um, you know, they've had some injuries on the offensive line and I think if if Decker's back, I think that's a huge a huge plus for the Lions. Mm. This this is a big game. I, I think they're going to try. Both teams are going to rush as many players back as they can, I think. I think there's a lot in on this game. So with us, Decker, Monty, you need them. The other guys, Watson, obviously back to your back, you know, you need it. You want them in the big games. And I know it's a short week, but it feels like they're gearing up to have as many as they can, even if they are a little bit dinged up. Yeah, I I will be very surprised if back to if back to Ari plays. My 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 gut feel there and, and nothing really to base it on other than the kind of reports that everybody that everybody sees. My gut feel there is that he may sit out until after the bye week. Um and he may play the next game because they don't play until a week on Monday. So, so there's a long gap between those games. But I'll be I'll be very surprised if he plays Thursday night. Mm. All right, we'll get into the long injury report in just a second. Packers uh, preview now. So 
uh, Pro Football Reference has the expectations of the Packers at 1.9 wins. They're obviously at 2-1, and one, so slightly ahead of expectation, but barely. The betting for the game, Lions are 6-5 to five on Packers at evens. Lions have a one-point advantage on the spread and a 46-point over-under. That's come in very, very slightly from when it opened. I think a half-point towards the Packers and one point up on the over-under. I think that's probably the Aaron Jones news, just slightly moving things. And Bakhtiari potentially looks like he's going to play as well. We'll come into that in just a sec. So, injury report was out yesterday. We haven't had today's one yet. All estimated, it was a walkthrough for both teams, having just played on Sunday. Uh, for the Lions, the estimation was that Vitae, Ragnow and Nelson were all did not practice. Ragnow is a vet rest day. We obviously know he's managing his toe issue. Limited practice for Jason Kabinda, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Kirby Joseph, David Montgomery and Emmanuel Mosley. But Dan Campbell did say that it probably is going to come too soon for Mosley. We're not having any reps at all in preseason. And Kirby Joseph is going to be day-to-day, but Decker and Montgomery are trending in the right direction. The Packers did not practice. Jair Alexander, Zane Anderson, Devondre Campbell, Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, Carrington Valentine and Christian Watson, limited Rashawn Gary and Aaron Jones with Bakhtiari not practicing, but that was also a vet rest day. So long list for both teams in vital positions, but today's the key day and we don't have it out yet because I'm guessing that both teams probably will have a walkthrough on Wednesday for the most part for Thursday's game. So this is the only day they're actually going to practice before the game. Yeah, and certainly with the Bakhtiari situation, it's difficult because he's hardly practiced at all um, since since the, since the season began. So him not participating in practice is, is not necessarily an indication that he won't play. He pretty much doesn't practice. Um, so... You know, he he sat out the last the last couple of games with the swollen knee, the knee that was injured, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, and I guess that he throughout the season now he's going to be a game day or a game week decision. I think he's going to play some and not play others. The other yeah. name to mention, by the way, as well, is that Eric Stokes is on PUP still. Your first round pick from two years ago, if I remember yep. rightly. Sorry, Ant. No, as I say, yeah, it's it's not ideal, but you know, it's a short week. You know, we we got banged up the week before, so it's tough. But I think a lot of these guys will play. As I said, we've we've got a big gap until the next game. I think the only one I, I wouldn't expect to see mostly. I mean, we need everyone to be on deck tomorrow. We need people to be able to carry a full workload, and to ask him to come in and do that. You know, if there's injuries during the game or anything, would be too much. I think we need 53 guys who are 100%, not one who, with him, because he's not played for so long. I don't think you can risk it. I think you bring him in when we play the Panthers in a week. and then. But outside of that, if, if they can play, if they've got a shot, I, I think they will. I think there'll be a lot of guys who sort of tough this one out. Because again, we've got a big break afterwards and we can sort of heal up then as well. And quite frankly, we need to win this game. So I want as many of my best players out there as we physically can. Mm-hmm. All right, let's have a look at the Green Bay starters, which obviously is difficult considering the number of injuries, but there we go. Quarterback Jordan Love backed up by the rookie Sean Clifford. Uh, Running backs Aaron Jones looks like he's going to play, but backed up by A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla himself. Wide receivers Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed with Samore Torre and Dontavian Wicks back there too. Tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, and Josiah Deguara. And then the offensive line, 
I mean, how you keep rotating in these late round draft picks and striking gold, I don't know. But Bakhtiari looks like he might play. Elton Jenkins, is he going to play? Don't know. Josh Myers, John Runyon and Zach Tom, is he going to play? Don't know. But Rashid Walker has played very well. And you've got uh, Sean Ryan and Josh Neiman back there too. It's a, a stacked lot of backups in there. And then on defence... Starters of Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt, backed up by Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Uh, linebackers or outside linebackers of Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary with Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley Anagbare. And then inside linebackers to Devontae Campbell, Quay Walker and Isaiah McDuffie. And then the back four, Jair Alexander. Is he going to play? Don't know. Uh, Russell Douglas, Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. But there's also Keyshawn Nixon in there, Anthony Johnson, Jonathan Owens, Dalen Levitt, and then the kicker, Anders Carlson, and punter Daniel Whelan, both rookies this season. Peter, how how are you feeling about that starting lineup when it's all fit and healthy? But here's that defense is on an individual basis absolutely fearsome. Yeah, so let's let's start with the defense, right? So so on paper, if they were all fit, healthy, hundred percent, now nobody ever is during the season, but if they were close to that. You know, you've got a defense that that potentially starts eight first round draft picks and two high high price free agents. So on paper, it ought to be a um, a very good defense, if not a dominant defense. But we've been saying that for two or three years now, and that hasn't happened. Partly through injury, partly through, um, I think scheme, right, and, and about being able to put the best players in the best spots to make plays. We're very aware um, of Joe Barry, if that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know, and it, it's also about being able to get off the field when you have to get off the field, right? So, and they've, to be fair, for the most part this season, they've done that. So, on third downs, which are the key downs, the, the defense has been able to get off the field most of the, most of the time, and conversely, the offense has converted a high number of third downs. So I think defensively, like I say, on paper, they're strong. The pass rush, the, the, the front seven is where the strength of this defence lies right now, particularly with Jair Alexander being probably out Thursday. We don't know whether he'll play, but my assumption right now is that he won't play. Um, the front seven is where the strength of this defence lies. So this, is a, so this is a team that already has very nearly 80 quarterback pressures in three games. Um, so you want to convert those pressures into sacks if you can. And Rashan Gary had three this past weekend in limited action. So he's been limited throughout the year. But in each of the games, successive games, he's been playing more and more snaps. Um, and that outside linebacker stroke edge group is strong with Gary, with Smith, with um, Enig Barre, with the rookie Lucas Van Ness. And... What we're seeing is up front, we're seeing Devontae Wyatt start to be the player that they hoped he would be when he was drafted in the previous year's draft. Um, so it took him basically a year to get to this to this point, but Wyatt's been good so far. And with TJ Slayton coming through, they've been able to move Kenny Clark to defensive end. And Kenny Clark's been more active in that role, which you would expect because he's not getting as many double teams 
as he as he was when he was on on the nose, and and Clark's been active as well. So that the strength is in the front seven, particularly with Alexander probably not playing. And what do you make of the Packers' offense? The offense has been up and down, right? and it's it's the, the the big issue with the offense is the running game. So they've just not been able to get the running game going. Not helped by Aaron Jones going out injured in in week one. Um, the offensive line is one of the top-ranked offensive line in pass protection. Um, but in terms of, of opening up holes for the running game, it just hasn't done that. And they have really struggled badly to run the football. So... Um, you know, across the board, they're averaging well le- less than four yards a carry, something like 3.4 yards a carry, something like that. Um, and, you know, there's been a number of plays that have been thrown for five-yard losses and that kind of thing in the running game. And other than, um, like I say, Aaron Jones in week one, they haven't broken off any any long runs at all. Um Dylan looks like he's been struggling, but I think behind that offensive line, I don't think Barry Sanders would pick up a lot of yards trying to run behind the blocking that we've seen in the first three weeks of of this season. Conversely, I think Jordan Love has shown himself to be what some of us thought he would be, right? Going back three years um, when he was drafted, but, but still a ways to go. So... And that's encouraging. When you when you when you come out, you go two and one. You throw seven touchdowns as opposed to one interception for you through your first three games. Been very careful with the football. Um, makes really good decisions. So I think that's the thing that's been out, outstanding. Needs to work on his accuracy, and needs to work a little bit on the long ball. Um, but but I think if any Packers fan really held their hand up, he's been everything that we could have hoped for to the, to, to this point. Um, um, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. no, go ahead. No, go ahead. And what, what do you think in a broad brush about the, the Packers starters? I mean, the pack, there's a lot of good starters in there. Like we said, the defense is full of high level draft picks who are starting to develop and, you know, they've been keeping them in games this season where sometimes they've had no right to be in those games. This one at the weekend, you know, for three quarters, they were terrible. The defense kept them in and it just took a spark and, and the offense it's, it's young, you know, like a lot of the guys are young, the receivers, the quarterback in terms of his playing experience, kind of what we've been through as well. And you can see the growing pains that they're having in there in some regards, but then at the same time, you can see why, they are, you know, why they're there. You know, Green Bay is a storied franchise that has been successful. It has developed players for years. You you have to be very talented to play and succeed there. And, and you can see that with them. So, you know, this, this starting team, it's very talented. There's just sort of one thing about it now that's been different to previous years to the Packers. And I, I liken this, and I it, it, let me explain the analogy here. But for me, the Packers now, they're like the aliens out of independence day so for years like we have not you let me explain right okay for years we have been unable to do anything against they have been this all dominating force against us that have come and absolutely trashed us time after time after time and whatever we've thrown at them 
it's just not affected them. They have been superior to us. They've they've beaten us for the most part of this. And it's due to that intimidation factor they had about them that we just we just didn't, you know, we couldn't win. And there was just absolutely nothing good going for us. But now at this point in time, it just takes one genius to bring that shield down. We've got Brad Holmes, who's come here and he's reinvented this team. You know, it's young. It does not care about what's happened in the past. It has got this new mentality, this new attitude. Everything about it is completely different to the past. And now that shield that was protecting the Packers before, that intimidation factor they had over us, it's gone. We don't go to Lambeau anymore and feel intimidated. Obviously, even when it's down, you've got to fight like hell to go and beat that team. They're a good team. They just don't have the intimidation factor about it. And we've seen that we can go there and that we can beat them now. So they're still very talented, but we have the virus, as you would, to go in there and take them down finally and assert our dominance over them. So I've got great respect for this team. I love their drafts. I love a lot of the players they've brought to this team. Like I said, the late round picks they've had there, like Henrik Bari last year, Rashid Walker last year. They're just, they're so good. They know what to do, and they are a highly formidable opponent. But I think we now have the tandem to take it down. So, but yeah, it's a good team, and we're going to need to be our best to beat them. If I knew that you were going to make that analogy, I would have called the episode "Hello Boys, I'm Back." It is though. Do you not think you know for the for years? I can I kind mean, of it, see it. Yeah, they've, they've kicked of... our ass for years, but losing the intimidation factor is a big thing. I mean. Are you not? Do you not feel confident now, Matt, that we can actually go there and beat them? I'm not saying that it's going to be easy, but for years we've gone to Lambeau and I've been like, yeah, we're going to lose this. If if it's a Packers team with Rodgers, with that team, you know, they're, they're playing for the playoffs, they're going to kick our it, ass. Even when we beat and they them have in the done. game, we lose because of a Hail Mary or whatever. Like if there's one second well, on the clock and it's a one-score game, we're going to lose. Yeah, I well, felt that way for a long time. And when we beat them, it's because they were resting everybody for the playoffs. And, you know, it's like there's been no significant victory over them for some time. And yeah, now, yeah, no, I, I buy it. I know what you're saying. But now this young team, it went there last year when the Packers had something to play for and it won. And it's now like, and it's because, because of how this team feels now, it knows it can go anywhere and win if it plays well. And what that does is it takes away the intimidation factor, which has been a thing for so long with these guys. They, they they don't care that it's Lambo and they don't care that it's Green Bay. They know they are good enough to beat them. And it's not been that way for a very long time. And I, I we, think that's an important I think that's well I think that's an important point because because historically in the NFL, winning begats winning and losing begats losing and, and losing teams find a way to lose. Right. And and a lot of that is because when it really comes down to it, they don't believe that they will win. And I saw a quote the other day, and I can't remember which team it was, where they talked about the general manager saying, we're now coming into the building believing we can win. No, no, no. You need to go into the building believing you will win. And and, and good teams do that. And I think that for the Lions, they proved that in week one of this season. Right? Anytime you go into Kansas City and win, you've proved that you can do that. And And those types of wins are the things that you fall back on when you're seven points behind or 10 points behind in the fourth quarter of a game because the team believes that you can come back and win. It will be interesting from a Packers perspective whether the comeback win this past weekend, coming back from 17 points with 
11 minutes left in the game has as a has also has that impact on on the packers in terms of them believing that they can come back and win any game remains remains to be remains to be seen but you're absolutely right and and and, and let's not make any bones about it this is a better lions team than we have seen in many years it is it just is yeah reflected in the spread you know when vegas says something people people need to take note but the te- the, the the time when the team believes that they deserve it without going for it because they should just win is the time that they'll get stomped in the mouth which is what happened against carolina for us last year we were marching somehow towards the playoffs and then they they just ran away with it so that that could happen in this game and i'm fearing it that you know we might take this for granted a little bit and that's what i mean it's like this packers game is not easy like it's a very good they have a great defense and if we play slow offense like we have this year they're going to punish that and yeah. if we can't keep the scoreboard moving and we get in a hole, they can punish that. And it goes back to the whole mentality thing. Because I know, like we talked about beforehand, this offense of theirs is younger than that, but Green Bay is a is a winning franchise. It, it's all rooted in the mentality of that franchise. It, it's their coaches, not just the players. These guys just always find a way to win or to get themselves out of a jam. And this is what we've got to prove, that we can go there and and overcome it when it matters to us as well. So I, I am scared of it because for me, this is this is our moment to say we are top of the NFC North now. We are the best team in the NFC North now. And we've not said that, well, since we've been alive pretty much, let alone us supporting this team. And it's it's a watershed moment. To others, it may just seem it's one game in a season, but it's not. This has big implications in terms of just everything about the mentality of it and the outside looking in at it. It means a ton to us. And I am concerned that if we lose it, then it's like, oh, for the God's sake, for the hundredth time, Green Bay have beaten us when it matters. And it's like, you just can't. And that's what I mean. They're these sort of invincible aliens that you can't, get out the way and then it just takes that one inspired moment where you eventually are able to take them down and if you can't you're just going to keep getting stomped on it's weird isn't it it's it's both a physical and mental thing there's the mental aspect of you know losing momentum and can you do this but also the physical aspect of getting an in-division win against the team most likely to challenge you for the division you know whichever team wins this if they can win the reverse fixture as well looking at the other two teams in division that probably locks it up. Unless you unless you absolutely ruin yourselves for the rest of the season, this game and the next the, the Packers Lions game at Ford Field are the key games. Because if every team in this division really does poorly, whoever comes out 2-0 in that matchup might win the division with eight wins if, if the division really does badly. So I think either way, it, it's an absolutely crucial game. Let me let me get into the stats on both sides of the ball for Green Bay, and then we're going to talk about the off-season moves and the draft, and then we'll get into a little bit of the the Saints-Packers review just to see how he did on Sunday before looking at key matchups. So, stats-wise, PFF has the Packers 73.5 overall, that's 15th. The offense is 66.3, that's 21st, and 74.3 on defense is 12th. On offense, we mentioned Jordan Love, 54 receptions on 96 throws 53.1% completion rate 655 yards seven touchdowns and interception 94.7 passer rating 69.5 quarterback rating also 14 rushes for 74 yards 
and a touchdown at 5.3 yards per carry. PFF grade of 65.3. Running backs at the moment because of injury led by AJ Dillon, 39 carries for 107 yards, no touchdowns as yet. That's 2.7 yards per carry for him. PFF grade of 62.3, which I guess is higher than you'd expect for someone going at less than three yards a carry. But I think to Peter's point earlier, that speaks to how well the offensive line have done for him, really. Aaron Jones is clearly the lead back, but just hasn't been healthy. He's got nine carries for 41 yards and a touchdown at 4.6 yards a carry and a PFF grade of 71.3. Wide receivers led by the rookie Jaden Reed and the rookie from last year, Romeo Dobbs. For Reed, nine receptions on 20 targets, 148 yards and two touchdowns, and PFF grade of 67.9. For Dobbs, 11 of 20, 129, and three touchdowns, PFF grade 76.6. For the offensive line, I mean, it's very much outside in. Bakhtiari, 78.3 grades on 55 snaps. Obviously, he's been banged up. Zach Tom has done exceptionally well too. PFF grade is 75. But the interiors where things, according to the PFF grades, have really struggled. Myers with a 54.2 grade at centre. Runny in the guard at 54.5. And Royce Newman, the other guard, at 51.7. So clearly much higher for the tackles and lower on the interior. In terms of efficiency stats, Peter mentioned it earlier, 20 of 43 on third down is 46.5%. That's sixth in the NFL. Converted two of six on third on fourth down, 33% to 22nd. And they've scored seven touchdowns on nine trips to the red zone, 77.8% is third in the NFL. Um, I've said a lot of stats, but at the defense, I haven't got much on, so I'll just do that quickly. Linebacker Quay Walker leads the team in tackles, 28 tackles on quarterback hit, an interception, a touchdown, two passes defense, and a PFF grade of 74.1. Rashawn Gary has had an absolute barnstorm of a season, uh, given the limited practice time he's had and injury. Five tackles, three and a half sacks, five quarterback hits, a pass defended, and PFF grade of 80.6. Cornerbacks, we know that Jair Alexander's been struggling with injury, but he's still got two passes defended and eight tackles and a PFF grade of 62.5. Razul Douglas has had a good season so far. An interception, four passes defended, a forced fumble, or oh, sorry, a fumble recovery even. 14 tackles and a PFF grade of 78.6. And Darnell Savage has had a good season. Two, 24 tackles, a tackle for a loss, PFF grade of 63. Efficiency-wise, again, as Peter said, great on third down. 13 of 42 is 31% allowed, which is seventh in the NFL. On fourth down, they've allowed five of seven, which is 71%, which is 24th. And four touchdowns on nine trips to the red zone. So they've really tightened their belt when with a shortened field. 44% is 10th. Obviously gone through a lot there, but Peter, the, the grades only tell one side of the story, and I've only watched one game of the Packers so far this season. Offensive line-wise, do you think those grades hold true, that you're much stronger in the tackles than you have been on the interior this season? Yeah, and I, and I, and I think that's true anyway, even without the grades, right? So I think the, the I think, I mean, the best three players on the offensive line would be Bakhtiari, Jenkins and Tom. Jenkins is, is hurt, all right? Um, I remember talking to you guys around the draft time. See, for me, Zach, Tom... His future should be at centre, and he's he's the best centre on this roster. Unfortunately, he's also the best right tackle on this roster right, <laughs> right now. So, um, yeah, but they're, they're, they're definitely struggling. You know, the centre position they're struggling at, um, they're struggling at guard, right? particularly with Jenkins out. Roy, Roy, Royce Newman um, was the starter a couple of years ago at, at, at right guard, but he's struggled. And John Runyon, through three games this season, hasn't been as good as he has been previously. 
So they're definitely struggling on, on the interior of the offensive line, um, particularly, as I say, in the in, in the running game. So, so those PFF grades do not surprise me at all. Um, what they have been able to do is they have been able to keep a clean pocket for most of the time for for Jordan Love, um, which has been which has been really really helpful. But yeah, they've got to get the running game going, and that start that starts up front, and that interior of the line is struggling. And the efficiency stats are kind of slightly worrying because if there has been a weakness for this Lions team, some of it I think has come on third down, and it looks like that's where the Packers are pretty strong. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting because the Packers haven't put up huge amounts of yardage, you know, either through the air and obviously not on the ground, as I've just talked about. But what they have been is super efficient, and they've converted a lot of third downs and they've scored when they've got in the red zone. Whereas last year they were something like, and I don't remember exactly, but they were something like twenty second or twenty third in red zone offense, and that made a huge, a huge difference. So they've been able to score, and they've been able to score touchdowns when they get down in the, in the red zone, and that's a huge difference and and i guess to a degree has covered up their inability to run the football and what do you make of all of this the efficiency stats are, are pretty worrying and you know gary's on an absolute tear he was a, a menace against the saints yeah it, as you say with the offense it's you've always got to be wary of it you, you know you know what the packers are going to be I know the offensive line has been struggling, but they always find a way to make it work. And obviously having Aaron Jones, not having Aaron Jones has hurt. You saw the first week against the Bears, they were struggling until Aaron Jones, until they put it in his hands and, you know, through the run and the pass. And then they just became a very dangerous team. But yeah, when you've got an efficient offense, it's always a worry. And when, and the, I think the worst part of it is when you pair it with, I w- it's not an elite defense yet, but when you pair it with a high-level defense that's not giving many points away, it doesn't take much to spark it. And you know they, they've got the they've got the firepower to to still take you down. You know I, I I worry, and we've had problems adjusting to this in the past. We it's like when we played the Seahawks, we mentioned at tackle they were barren and they were going to struggle, and we and they adapted to that. They were putting the tight ends in there. They were putting the running backs in there. They were giving their tackles a lot of help, and we didn't adapt to this. And we know with Green Bay, the tight ends you have to block, the running backs you have to block. First and foremost, one of the big things you have to do there, if there's a weakness that they think we can exploit, they'll patch the holes into it. And it's, you know, can we adapt to that? Because so many times I've seen this go to Lambo and not get pressure on the quarterback, even when like Bakhtiari's not played against us for a long time now. Like he's been injured a lot of the times we've played and they've still managed to make something out of it. So you've got to, you know, you've got to bottle them up and you've got to bottle them up all game. Otherwise they'll they'll hurt you. And if you're not putting up points, it's still dangerous. So I, I do worry about it. And the more Love plays, the more comfortable he will get because this is still his first games in the NFL, like serious playing. And each week it'll get a little bit easier. And I know he struggled a little bit, but at the end of the Saints game, he started making some throws and you're like, well, the confidence has come in. The last thing you can allow him to do is to allow him to keep gaining that confidence, giving him the completions and because then they'll hurt you. And if they run it well, they'll hurt you still. But thankfully for us, our run game, our run defense has been top this year. For the first time in a very long time, you know, we absolutely nullified the Falcons with it. So if we can do it again, 
if Aaron plays and we're able to keep him quiet, or if he doesn't and it's Dylan, I don't think I think he's going to struggle a great deal against us. And that's when they're vulnerable, when you put it all on him. So I am worried about it. Yeah, I, I'm always going to be worried about a Packers team, no matter how bad they may appear on paper. I will always be worried about them and what they can do. But there's certainly you can keep them a lot more quiet than you can without A-Rod in the building. And talking about A-Rod not being in the building, off-season moves inwards, nothing particularly significant. Obviously out, Aaron did go in a trade to the Jets for a first, second, sixth. And what was a future conditional two that's inevitably going to become a one, it now inevitably is locked in at a two now, unfortunately, for the Packers. Although I guess potentially a a high two rather than a presumably low one. So maybe the difference isn't as pronounced as it might have been. So Rogers goes, Lazard goes and joins him four years, 44 million. Jaden, not Jaden Reed, uh, can't remember his net first name. Jaron Reed went to the Seahawks of the edge player, two years, nine million. Bob Tonyan moved on to his third NFC North team with Chicago, one years, two and 2.65 million. And then Mason Crosby, the kicker and punter Pat O'Donnell were both let go. They're still on the open market, I believe. Draft wise, Huge number of picks, as as Peter alluded to. Lucas Van Ness taking the 13 overall, the edge player from Iowa. Then they double-dipped at tight end at 42 with Luke Mosgrave from Oregon State and Tyler Craft at 78 from South Dakota State. And they... Tucker, thank you. What did I say? Tyler. Da, sorry. I put the initial one in name because I thought I knew what it was, but I don't. They sandwiched Jaden Reed from MSU, wide receiver, at 50. Uh, otherwise, into day three, you had Wooden, the, the defensive end from Auburn, Sean Clifford, the quarterback. I know that, I don't know whether you feel the same, Peter. We had a little bit of a giggle at that one at 149. Um, I'm not sure how good he's been in camp, but maybe we'll get onto that in a minute. Uh, 159 in the fifth round, wide receivers on Tavian Wicks from Virginia. Carl Brooks, a defensive tackle from Bowling Green at 179. Kicker Anderson at uh, from Auburn at 207. Then into the seventh round, Valentine, the cornerback from Kentucky at 232. Lou Nichols, the third from uh, Central Michigan, running back 235. Safety, Johnson Jr. from Iowa State at 242. And wide receiver, Grant DuBose from Charlotte at 256. So, I mean, how many picks is that now? 13 picks? Turned over your kicker and, and punter. Um, I know that your special teams have not been amazing in the last few years, so maybe that's a reaction to that. I don't know. Uh, and then Sean Clifford shocked the world, I think. But Lucas Van Ness at the top and two tight ends, it, it really does make the youngest group of pass catches in the NFL. Yeah, and I think, you know, 11 of the 13 made the, made the final 53. Um, and I think that kind of, is is a huge reason as to why the Packers are the youngest average age team in the in the NFL this year. Um, yeah, and they got help at the spots that they needed to 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 get help. Tight tight ends been a position of needing young help for a number of years, right? So the Packers have not had a consistently high class high uh, pass catching tight end. Um, since Jermichael Finley around 2011, 2012, so the best part of a decade. Um, so, so that was a position they had to, they had to get help in, you know. And and that tight end group, as we talked about uh, around around the draft, there was four or five or six of those guys that that, whilst I wasn't keen on them in the first round, I think when you got to the second and third rounds, there was there was Musgrave, um, 
you know, was Tucker Craft that the, the Packers took. There was your guy, Sam Laporta. There was a really nice group of tight ends there. Um, and Musgrave has been good so far. It hasn't been dominant, hasn't had the number of targets or receptions that Sam Laporta's had, but it's been, you know, pretty good so far. And, and so pretty encouraged by that. Um, yeah, Van Ness at the top of the draft was an interesting pick. So he was 13th on my board and went 13th to the Packers, but I didn't expect them to take him. Um, just because I thought that there were other positions as we talked around draft time, um, around Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was the guy that I wanted the Packers to take. That wasn't wasn't to be, although he was there when the Packers picked. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've gone for, again, a defensive first round pick, which is seems to be par for the course over the last decade for the Packers building up the number of number one picks on on defense. But all in all, it was a very nice draft with some interesting picks. Right. So Sean Clifford that you alluded to is is one of those. Fully expected the Packers to take a quarterback in round five, six, seven. Absolutely. And we talked about that back in April. Absolutely thought that would happen. Didn't expect it to be Sean Clifford, I have to say. Now, what's interesting, he was one of the guys that the Packers had in for a top 30 visit. They absolutely loved his attitude. And preseason, what does the preseason count for? I don't know. Usually not very much. He was absolutely brilliant in the preseason. And um, I, I, my view on, on Sean Clifford right now, I mean, you know, we've clearly not seen him in game action and, and barring an injury that we hope never happens, we're not likely to see him play a lot of game action. Um, the jury, the jury's out because I don't know what, I don't know what he is. He wouldn't have, like I say, he wouldn't have been my pick, but he was good. He was, the, the, the reports out of camp were fantastic and in the preseason, he was really sharp. Um, but like I say, it wouldn't have been my guy. The, the, the other interesting picks for me were the kicker, Anders Carlson again, wouldn't have been my guy, right? But I fully expected them to take a kicker. So Mason Crosby's nearly as old as me. That's old, right? So it didn't surprise me that, that eventually that they were they were they were going to move on. I didn't expect it to be Anders Carlson. His record in college wasn't great as kickers go, kind of a 70% field goal guy. But he's been perfect in the few attempts that he's taken had so far during the regular season for the Packers and has a huge leg, absolutely huge leg. So we're going to see how that how that pans out. Um, yeah, I mean, what else can I say? Colby Wooden surprised me only because I thought Wooden was a good player. Um, but I wasn't sure because of his size, whether he's a defensive end or an outside linebacker in the pros. He's The Packers have listed him at defensive end and he's coming in that rotation, but he's not a big defensive end. So that one slightly surprised me. But all in all, thus far, that it, it it's an encouraging draft. You know, if you can be that that encouraged about a draft after three games. And obviously, you're you're a college and draft guy. What did you make of the ins and outs that they had in the off season? Um, I mean, sorry, Pete. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I was about to say you can start to see a clear path there. So obviously, with the first two picks, you know Van Ness and Musgrave, you've gone physical upside, like physical attribute upside. Obviously, Van Ness has the potential to be an absolute superstar. Um, it, 
you know, showed a bit in college. Obviously, he never started a game, but he played plenty of reps there on a great defense. Musgrave has been injured for the most part, but you know, he has the potential to be to be the best tight end of the whole lot by some distance if he gets healthy and he becomes what they think he's going to be. So they were, you know, they went for like the physical attribute upside with those guys there. And then, you know, the further down the draft you go, there's, there's just a lot of smart picks in there and a lot of value to be had with some of these guys. I love their picks over the last two years, but I mean, there's, there's obviously some emphasis there. You've picked six wide receivers in the last two years. So you are, you know, trying to fire as many shots as you can to get yourself a young, you're building a young receiver core through the draft, which is good in this day and age when you're having to pay out and when Justin Jefferson gets paid stupid amounts for wide receivers, it's going to be the next tackle position. It makes sense to try and build young through the draft. Obviously you've hit with Watson when he's healthy. Um, Daubs looks like he's coming good. You know, you've added Jaden Reed in there, who's a speed guy. And, you know, even, even down to DeBose, I like to Charlotte, you know, the more shots you take, the more chance you're going to land on here. And then you see with the D-line, you know, you've already got a good D-line there in Green Bay. And then, like, last year, you got Enigbari at a stupidly low value. How he fell that far in the draft is one of the biggest mysteries of that draft. He had no right to be picked there, and the Packers pick him up there. And then it's just like... Sixth round or seventh round? Yeah. Yeah, I had it. I was mocking him at the start of the second. Like he was in that part of that edge. That's how good he was. It was just he got ignored on a South Carolina team that has not been very good for some reason. I don't know what it was, but then this year you get Carl Brooks, like so late in the draft. And Carl Brooks is, I don't know how he's doing, but for me, he has the inside out versatility on that defensive line. So you are stacking it. You have a bona fide front seven there with full of first round picks and like t- really high level talented players there. And then you're just even loading up the depth behind it to the point where this is how Green Bay love to play football. They're like the Bears of past years and they've gone away from you. It, it starts with the front seven. You win with the front seven. You can see what they're trying to do there. So overall, I, I kind of really like it. I like. Tucker, obviously coming up from the FCS, but he's going to be another. This is this is building a team for the future. Like in two or three years, if a lot of these guys develop how they should do, then they are going to have so many dangerous weapons on offense and, and they are going to be a real big force to be reckoned with there. Um, so I love what they've done. Uh, you know, and it pains me to say that with them being Packers fans. The only one that made me laugh was Clifford. It's like, I, I, I had a good chuckle about that. He's been a ball and chain around that Penn State program for years. And now they've actually got a good quarterback there. They're going to go and win the Big Ten this year. So it's I, I just don't get why him. I don't get why him when there were so many other good guys there. But, you know, it, it's a backup quarterback. Who's there? I love what they did in the draft. And I'm scared of what they could be in a few years, some of these guys. I mean, I still think Dorian Thompson-Robinson was available. And if you have a look at what Jordan Love does and what DTR does, I felt like that was a more natural backup than Sean Clifford, who might be a bit more of a an Aaron Rodgers type of standing in the quarterback and can shift a little bit in the pocket and can throw it, but doesn't have the mobility. It feels like there's not a lot of similarity yeah, in I there, think, Peter. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was absolutely a surprise, right? And And... Clearly, the very fact that they had him in as one of the top 30 visits, clearly that visit went very well. And clearly there was something that they that they liked that they liked about him. Um, you know, from the outside looking in, it was it was surprising. And, mm. and all I could say is at this point, 
he's done absolutely everything that's been asked of him, and that's that's all you can ask. That's it, and, yeah. and, and 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 time will tell. I mean, I think generally speaking, I think Packers fans should be really encouraged by the way that this this draft class is looking. And you mentioned the wide receivers, you know, Reed, um, Dontavian Wicks. None of them is you know blowing games away. You know, they're not putting up hundred yards here or hundred and fifty yards there, but they're making nice plays and they're making plays on third down when they have to have them. And it looks like a group where the ball's going to be spread around this group. So I'm not expecting, you know, a hundred catch receiver to come out of this group, at least not in the next couple of years. Um, but if they all end up catching 50 or 60 balls a piece, that will, that, that will do the job. And that's what it's looking like right now. And they're all slightly different as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly an encouraging place to be. And, you know, we've been talking for years about needing to restack, reload, whatever words you want, the wide receiver group. Well, they've done it. And as Packers fans, it's a young group and we have to be patient with it because they're going to drop balls. They're going to run some wrong routes, but they're going to grow together. And I think it's important. And I've said this in various places. I think with a young quarterback, it's important that that wide receiver group grows up with the quarterback. And you don't need any of them to be superstars. If Christian Watson turns into what he's going to be, then all you need is Daubs and these guys, two or three of them, to, to be depth afterwards. And then you're at a position that's paid high and you're young. You're completely young and you can spend the money elsewhere. I completely understand the strategy with it. You know, It's one thing we've not really done outside of Amamara and Jamo is invest in draft receivers like a whole ton, like higher up, so... Well, and, and the beautiful thing about where the Packers are is they could they could finish around 500. And like you were saying about the quarterbacks in this class, with Love being on a cheap one-year deal after this season, there's nothing to stop them taking a quarterback in the second round to give them some competition. So, you know, there's, there's enough people in here that even if Love doesn't work out, you can get cheap at that position again. Or, I mean, you've got yeah, the assets to even trade for someone, so... <laughs> yeah, they're not going that way, right? They're all they're, they're all in. Jordan Jordan loves the guy for, for better or for worse. This year, next year, they're all they're all in on him. Yeah. Now, I think if by the end of twenty twenty four, if they've still got a whole bunch of question marks, I think that's a different conversation. But uh, but they're absolutely all in on him, and he's getting two years at least. Fair enough. All right, let's move in my, on. In my view, in my view, no, 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 <laughs> absolutely. You're, you're the guy who should know. So we're 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 from the outside in. Let's. Talk a little bit about Sunday's game. Obviously, you you mentioned that they Thursdays. came back from us. A... Oh, sorry, you mean the one just last on. week? Talk about right. last Sunday's game. Uh, so seventeen to nothing with I think it was nine minutes to go when you got the ball back and run off eighteen points and then fade a late field goal to secure the win. And just a few observations of mine and and I don't know if you have any other observations to kind of throw in for Peter here but this is kind of what I saw generally and on offense and then I'll go into defense and special teams afterwards so uh first just a general observation everyone was slipping on the turf like all the time everyone slipped and it was like what is going on like why aren't you wearing the right cleats for goodness sake so I really hope that the Lions have taken note of that and will right wear the right footwear um on offense, first series had great field position around midfield and kind of shot yourself in the foot with, with holding and false start penalties. Uh, it was clear to me that the Love was decisive with the ball, not scared to scramble, but wasn't trying to escape too early either. Had a trick play where he slipped on fourth down, had a player wide open, almost still made the uh, made the pass, which was quite impressive, really. Um, 
seemed to kind of throw a bit of a wobbly ball when he felt under pressure a couple of times. It wasn't as accurate as when he had a clean pocket and it kind of seemed to hang up in the air. The, the, the power sometimes in the throws seems to kind of be a bit lacking. And I mean, the wide receivers were so open, it often didn't matter. But the ball just, I don't know if you've seen this, Peter, and I'll, I'll just run off all my observations, but the ball does hang up there a little bit for him, potentially. Um, he had the miss to Musgrave up the seam for an almost 50-yard play, maybe a touchdown when he was wide open. Uh, it seemed you guys were trying to pass to open up the run rather than the run to open up the pass, which I guess speaks to your running troubles that you mentioned earlier. Um, Musgrave used a lot in motion, seemed to kind of scheme him open, which worked very well. Um, there was a really convincing play-action fake that Love did. Hand off to the quarterback and then kind of like looking away from the opposition, tucking the ball underneath. It didn't look like he had it. Everyone bites on it, and then he runs away from it and then throws a pass. I was really in impressed by how well he sold that. Um, there was a play-action pass from the 45 that he threw into the end zone, but into triple coverage, and he still could have had his man if he'd had the juice on the throw. Um, seemed to struggle sometimes escaping pressure or maybe not throwing it away when he knew that he couldn't escape pressure because... He's fast, so quite often he, when he was decisive, he got away, and then sometimes he hesitated a little bit. Um, when he tried to throw with power, it seemed like it took him a little while to kind of wind up the arm, like he just kind of struggles with a bit of power behind it. Um, but that run game and was, was struggling a little bit, especially in the interior. The Saints got a lot of success there. Um, and then the zone replay looked very like Jared Goff. On Sunday, um, but obviously he's very, um, very light on his feet, and that's a big part of his game. Um, and then, you know, when it when push came to shove, love through some lovely kind of sideline balls that only his guys could go and get, and some of them were spectacular one-handed catches. But love was the guy making those plays. Um, and I don't know if you have anything to add to any of those observations from from Sunday. Um, oh, did you do offense and defense? Just just offense. Um. Not, not a great deal. All, all I'll say is you can see it's a young offense in transition. Like a lot of the skill players now are, are, are young guys. Musgrave is, is new in there. You know, Love is a new starter. The wide receivers are all pretty much in the first two years. So it, it's growing pains for teams as they learn their identity and what they're trying to do. So, but just like inside of that, you can see the glimpses. You can see the flashes of what it could be, which, which mm. is the thing. But overall, I thought the Saints fraudulent as they are, um, coped with them well on the occasion. I think they sort of figured them out early as how to really stop. Them. Like you say, they have to try and use the pass to open up the run, so they got quite aggressive against the pass, so they weren't able to do that, and it took a fourth quarter adjustment for it to happen, so... You can see the good and the bad of having a young offense in there, and you know, say you'll have, and we know that better than anybody, having a young team, the pitfalls, and the, and the highs that come with it. Peter, I know that my approach was kind of a bit scattergun and all over the place just because it was kind of, um, oh, what's the word? I've completely chronological um, in the game. But did, did any of what I was saying there ring true to you? Jordan, yeah, when he throws yeah. it, it kind of hangs in the air a bit. Yeah, I don't, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm okay with that. I don't, yeah. I don't really see, see too much of that. I mean, okay. I, th I think that, I think you were, you hit the nail on the head with, having to use the pass to, to try and set up the run, right? And and that's a problem, right? They would like to run the ball. There's no there's no question about it that Lafleur, you know, back from his days in Tennessee, would like to run the football, right? 
And and what the what they're ending up doing to a certain degree is they're throwing some some long some long passes like the one that you that went into triple coverage, which was a horrible throw to have to make, right? That presumably was the called play from the from from the sideline. But a lot of that is about I want to get them safeties back because I can't have eight men in the box because we need a to be able to run the football and we need to be able to run those under underneath routes. And until we get those two safeties, two safeties back, we can't do that. And that's why I think that they've thrown a higher percentage of deep passes. I think that Love's um, average throwing length is is the deepest of all the quarterback starting quarterbacks in the NFL thus far. And mm. um, I think a lot of that is because the running game's not working, and they're trying to get those those safeties to drop deeper. Um, Yes, he needs to work on his accuracy. I think that's going to come. Like I say, I, 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 the decision making has been good. Um, he invariably throws to the right guy, not every time, but invariably throws to the right guy. Um, but the accuracy does need some does need some work. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely plenty to work on for a team that's two and one, and that's the encouraging thing about it is you're two and one, and you can still pick out whole reams of stuff where you can where where you can improve but i think for me so much of it starts with that running game even if you're not running for 150 yards a game you've got to run for 90 100 yards a game at four yards a pop and keep defensive defenses are honest and they're not at that point yet and whether aaron jones makes that difference makes that spark this week you know we we, we shall we shall see um but yeah i I'm encouraged. I'm really encouraged because they haven't put up huge numbers. They haven't been consistent throughout a whole game, and yet they're still two and one of them, and they've made the plays pretty much when they had to have them. And it's kind of the last two weeks have been kind of tell us everything about the NFL, you know, because to a degree, the Packers were the better team against the Falcons for three quarters of that game and lost. Mm. And they were undoubtedly second best this past week and won. And I think that just goes to show in, in the NFL that unless you put teams away, whether you're, you know, the Packers two weeks ago or the Saints this week, unless you put teams away, um, you're always in danger of, of losing games that you should win. Yeah, so let's move on to defence and special teams uh, observations from Sunday. Uh, Kenny Clark on the first series, absolutely bullied Eric McCoy for a really lovely sack. Um, seemed that you were very aggressive on defence basically all day, dominated their O-line for the most part, I thought. Um, your coverage, generally speaking, was excellent. And I think sometimes it was just their their pass catches being better in some key moments. So for, for the Graham touchdown early, Rizal Douglas's coverage couldn't have been better. He was right in, touch tight on him, and sometimes big man just wins and... Uh, there was a catch by Olave down the sideline, which was one-handed, but the coverage, again, couldn't have been better. So sometimes the offense just wins. Um, Rashawn Gary had an incredible day. Uh, on third down, on any sort of obvious passing distance, he was he was an absolute menace all day. Um, it seemed like you gave up maybe, and I don't know if this is a scheme, but just short passes and you didn't really worry too much about that. You know, if they're at second and six or second and seven, you seem to just be willing to accept that and you, you don't want to give up anything too deep. Um, 
I think that's pretty much it for defense special teams. Early on, it seemed fine. You know, good punting and punt returning early. And then the obviously the 76-yard touchdown by Rashid Shahid for, uh, was um, not the best coverage in the world. And then New Orleans, the, the, I don't think there's anything you, you guys did for the missed kick, but that kind of won you the game for special teams. Um, let's, let's go defense first. And I mean, it, it seemed like you guys in coverage just had a, a great day and there were just a couple of plays where, where, like I say, the offense just sometimes wins, even if it's absolutely perfect. And otherwise your D line was, was overwhelming at times. Yeah. And, and it's an important point you make about, you know, the other guys get paid too. And, and Packers fans have been quite critical generalizing now but being quite critical of the defense and giving up um you know seven yards on first down or or um you know dropping off and giving a you know a 10 yard cushion on third and five and that kind of thing the Packers fans have been quite critical of that but but generally speaking you know the defense has played well this year without being dominating right but a lot of that does start up front um you know, and with Alexander out, that is a that corner spot is a is a is a real concern because it's a because it's a concern anyway. Stokes is out, um, Carrington Valentine's hurt, Alexander may or may not play. Um, so, yeah, I it definitely starts with the with the front seven. Now, you mentioned passes in the flat, so that was another area where the Packers do give up yards and um and it's a criticism to a degree i don't know whether it's scheme or whether it's players but the inside linebackers don't get out to cover those backs um so certainly quay walker i think had a horrendously low pff grade this past this past week having had a a high grade the previous week for 17 tackles and it's because you know there were a lot of short passes out in the flat where you know, you're basically giving up four, five, six, seven yards before the play gets un- gets underway. The guy's not covered, or or there's a there's a huge cushion, and that would be a concern for me for the for the Packers, particularly with Jamal Gibbs on your team. Right, that would be a huge area where, if I was Detroit, I would be absolutely exploiting that. Now, that may be something obviously that you'd th- expect the Packers to work on this week, but we sh- we shall we shall see. But yeah, I think I think this defense has been. I don't want to call it um, bend but not break, um, but it has still given up a fair number of yards. I think it's right in the middle of the packish for yards for yards given up, um, but it's got off the field when it's pretty much when it's when it's had to, um, you know. And and the team as a whole has been helped by the turnover ratio. So the Packers have only turned the ball over once this whole this whole season whereas the and they've forced some turnovers on on defense um and they've they've not given up i might be wrong but they don't appear to have given up at least many big plays on defense so it's kind of that feels like bend but don't break that's not really the, the way the defense is designed but yeah they've made plays when they've had to have them i guess is the way of mm. describing that how long that can last remains to be seen and special teams have always been a bit of a thorn in, in your side, like punt and kick coverage, especially you've given up probably 
more than most in terms of points or field position there has that has that kind of recovered apart from that that punt return yeah it's it's an odd one because because last year's generally speaking special teams were good um they got rich passaccia in the ex-raiders coach coaching the special teams and he's they've been good with him there but this season they've had a couple of so they had that punt return given up for a touchdown this week um in the first week of the season they had a um, delay of game penalty on what should have been a field goal attempt and they ended up punting early in the game. So there's been one or two things on special teams that you'd like to tidy up. Mm. Um, but, you know, we can't complain. The kicker's made every kick so far, which has surprised some of us. And like I say, he's got a huge, huge leg, which is important at Lambeau. And the punter has been good. And it was a surprise um, not because he doesn't have a huge leg, but because O'Donnell was as much there as the holder as the punter. So Whelan's having to learn that job as the holder, and Touchwood so far has been pretty good. So again, they've gone young on special on special teams like like the rest of the team, and thus far, really barring that faux pas on Sunday, it's been okay. And did you have any thoughts about the the defense on Sunday for the Packers? Yeah, um, well, it's kind of more of a... It's about Sunday, but the season in general. So there's one thing that really worries me about this defence with, with with them in, in pertains to us. And I've talked about this for years with the Packers. Obviously, they had trouble with linebackers for years, but there was one other place where you could always guarantee there was a bit of a weakness in there, and that was the guy next to Kenny Clark in that front seven. Kenny Clark is... I love him. He's the best nose tackle in the NFL, bar none. But for years, they've just put in a load of nobodies next to him. And he's not had that much help in the interior. And he's still been great. Devontae Wyatt's starting to get good now. Like, he had a bad year last year. And because I was terrified when they took him that he might be that piece they've been missing there. And you've seen it this season now, especially against the Bears. And I know they're not really the standard bearer of (laughs) offensive lines, but... Over the three games, he looks a lot better, and that's causing massive issues now because whereas before you could kind of double-team Kenny and sort of the other guy one-on-one that's fine, Devontae Wyatt's commanding more attention now. It means that Kenny Wyatt's been able to collapse. uh, Kenny has been able to collapse the pocket more. Devontae's in there helping him, and what that's doing with the edge rushers, now Gary's healthy again, and you've got all these other guys... You saw it against Saints. It's collapsing offensive lines. You mentioned the Ryan Ramchick play. He's one of the best right tackles in the NFL, and they ate him alive because that defensive line's getting so much pressure now because on the interior, they are just collapsing stuff. It's something they've not been able to do for a long time with just Kenny Clark in there. And that concerns me because, like, our offensive line's banged up. Hopefully Taylor plays, but if he doesn't, like, that right-hand side of the line is vulnerable. And with them exerting so much pressure in there, it can collapse the line. And I've noticed that with this team this year. Kenny Clark's getting more opportunities because Devontae Wyatt is getting good. And that is a big concern. Because even then, if their secondary is in trouble and it's rinsed, you ain't got time in the pocket to sit there and target it. You know, you're having to go at the linebackers and the linebackers are getting better there now, you know. Key Walker's getting better. Devontae Campbell's really good, and I think he's hurt. But you see the point. It's it's that front seven is just dictating the play. And, 
you know, that's that's what I've seen with this defense. <laughs> Wyatt has just solved a big problem for them there, and that's causing big problems for other teams. And Rashawn Gary doesn't look like he's lost a lot either. And if Bar is stepping up, this is what I mean. The depth on that line, that is the big question about this one. That's how we've got to go about beating them is by somehow nullifying the pressure of that line. It's, and you've it's hit, impressive. You've hit the nail on the head for me in terms of the key matchups. The first one I had was Clark, Wyatt and Gary versus banged up offensive line of the Lions. I mean, even if Decker is back, he's clearly struggling big time. Uh, on at left tackle, Sewell moves over to left tackle, and for him had a really bad game on on Thursday. You know, giving penalties away left, right, and center, got beat on a few plays by uh, oh, why does his name escape me? Calais Campbell, who who ate him for breakfast a few times, uh, moving him around from right tackle to left and back again can't be good for his confidence. And then you've got. Graham Glasgow, who's going to be starting in place of Halepudavati Vitane, he quitted himself quite well on Thursday. But, you know, there was a reason why Denver let him go. And is he going to find his Detroit form from, from years past? So it's a banged up Lions offensive line, even if we get players back from injury. And in Wyatt, Gary and Clark, you've got three absolute monsters, lads. So, you know, who who's going to come out on top in that matchup might decide the game. Not even mentioned Preston Smith or Kingsley and Igbari. They're just a unit that works together. And say any good defensive line starts by collapsing the interior, because the more resources you have to put towards stopping that, the less you've got to defend the edge. And when you've got edge rushers like they have, you can't ignore that. You can't put them one on one with rookie tackles or anything. So, yeah, it's it's a big problem, and it's what they're based on. It's why you can protect a weakened secondary if it's that dominant. Yeah, Peter, who do you think comes out on top in that matchup in this game when it's all said and done? Well, I think I, I think it depends. I think so. I think it depends on if Decker plays, all right, and and how close to a hundred percent he is, right? So, so there's, there's no question in my mind that when the off the Lions' offensive line is fully healthy, it's one of the best in this league. And and you know they have the ability to. I think it's I I think it's too much to say that you're always going to nullify a pass rush or whatever else because there's ways of getting to the quarterback. Um, but as you alluded to, you know it's 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 do you have to send seven guys or eight guys or even nine guys to get to the quarterback and that leaves you that leaves you open then. So I I think for me for the for for that matchup it's absolutely dependent on on if Decker plays. Assuming that he plays, then I think that matchup is 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 kind of a push. I think that's kind of a 50-50 um situation. Um and I and I think I think if you're the Lions, I think you play smart football, right? So you get it quickly out to the tight end. You get it out to the backs in the in the flat. You get it into Gibbs's hand and hands and, and let him make plays. Right. Mm. Don't sit back there. And and I actually like so, so Jared Goff is one of those underrated quarterbacks, right? Everybody wants to get on his back and he's not this and he's not that. He's a lot damn better than people give him credit for, right? And he's smart. Yeah, yeah. He was going to throw the odd pick here and there. What quarterback doesn't, right? But, but he's smart. He's an excellent ball handler and he makes good decisions. He does make good decisions, right? So, so I think that Goff is better than people give credit for 
And for me, for the for the for the Lions, you nullify that pass rush by getting the ball out of there quickly. One, two, three, get the ball out. And that also applies for the for the Packers, by the way. I think Jordan Love has actually been at his best when either they've got him on the move or he's taken a three-step drop and got the ball out of there. I don't want to see him hanging around back there, bringing on the bringing on the pressure. So I think it's a fifty. I think that's a fifty-fifty matchup in this game. I think at some point people are going to catch up to Jared Goff not being a bad cause of act, like he's kind of termed, you know, jettison from the the Rams. We've talked about this. I'm sure you you won't be surprised to hear ad nauseum. But this year he's fifth in passer rating and fourth in QBR, and Yes, that stats and can be massaged, but he also did that last year. And I think when you do it year to year, sometimes eventually the reputation has to catch up with your your results. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I just think that that you know, people, some people look at quarterbacks and think if they're not Patrick Mahomes or they're not pick whoever your favorite quarterback is, if they're not that tour right now, <laughs> you know, then they're, then they're not and they're not very good, and that's not the case. Right. And lots of Super Bowls have been won by quarterbacks who are not, if you like, a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Montana or, or, or whatever. You don't have to have that guy to win the Super Bowl. What you do have to have, you have to have a smart player that can throw the football and make the right decisions. And added to that, Goff is a good Super Bowl handler as well. Um, and he's led the Rams to the Super Bowl. Right. And you can say, oh, it's McVay or it's this or whatever. I don't care. He was good enough to lead a team to the Super a Super Bowl. They probably should have won, by the way. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he's just one of those guys that is just better than advertised. Mm. Uh, coming on to my second key matchup of the game, and we mentioned the Packers' interior of the offensive line earlier, and perhaps this is slightly, and I don't want to say weakness on weakness, but the Lions' interior of the offense, uh, the defensive line has been iffy for some years, and Aleem McNeil was threatened to break out, had a great game on, on Sunday, and had some good games down the stretch last year. It looks like he might be coming into something. Benito Jones got a sack last week, but he's been up and down. Bugs was out the first game as a healthy scratch, but he's going to be the other guy who's going to rotate in, and we've got Levi Anzarike back there too. I would say none of them are in the sort of class of a Kenny Clark or Devontae Wyatt, and it's going up a Packens interior who who have given up things. So I think, you know, if the if the Lions can make the most of that matchup, that's going to go some way to disrupting Jordan Love and forcing him out of the pocket, but of course he does quite well doing that. Um, but, you know, if the interior of the Packers offensive line holds up because we don't do anything there because it's perhaps not a strength of ours, then that is going to be, play a big part in a possible Packers victory. I mean, for, for for me, if the Packers can't run the football, they can't win this game. It's as it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a simple as that, right? And so I think the onus on the interior of the Packers line is huge. They have to pick up yards on the ground. And like I said earlier, this doesn't have to be a 150 or 200-yard rushing day, but it does need to be close to 100 yards at four or five yards a pop. Absolutely. If they can't do that, they can't win this game, in my view. And that's why I think... The matchup you've described might well be the biggest matchup in this in this game. The Packers um, run blocking versus the, the the Lions line. And do you agree? Big important matchup. 
I think you could extend it for the entire line versus the entire line. I think you, you've got to win the trench sort of outright. That's what we did against the Falcons. You you collapse the interior, you get the pressure on the edge against these guys. And, you know, it's we've seen against the Falcons, they had rubbish tackles and we, we didn't we didn't really exploit that. You know, you can protect parts of the line. You've got to dominate all over here and and Glenn's got to do what he did against the Falcons. It's not just these guys on the line. It's not just the Leem and Benito and guys like this. It's it's using your weapons in the backfield. Like you're using Barnes. Barnes has been one of the best defenders on the teams this year because they're finally using him as a blitzer. They're finally using him. The reason we drafted him out of Purdue was to get into the backfield and make negative plays. When you're bringing him up and blitzing him, you're causing pressure on offensive lines to crack. That's when these gaps for these guys appear. You know, we brought the corner blitzers up more, the safety blitzers up more. Bringing Branch in. Branch is going to be huge in this. Barnes is going to be huge in this. Bring these guys in to help out because I think our line... I think our interior is decent. I think it's just not had the support it needs. Certainly, Aleem hasn't. Aleem's a high-level defensive tackle, but he's been asked to play a ridiculously high number of snaps, which you can't do there because these are big guys. You can't just send them in there 60 snaps a game all the time and expect them to be great. He's had no one in there to help him. And, you know, we've struggled there, but now you've seen, like, Benito's come into the show and he's helping out in there. And now... Like with Kenny and Devontae Wyatt, now there's a guy in there to help him. You're getting more opportunities and you're seeing what he can do and you're lessening his workload so he's fresher. We got Bugs back in there as well now so you can help out. So it's the whole line has to work in unison. You have to work out the weak spot and overload it. And we got the guys to do it. So it absolutely is a big matchup. Our D-line has to be great. Because if it isn't, then, you know, you get into the second two levels of the defense and it's not. And we've seen what happens. So hmm. it's up all on the D-line here. But Aaron Glenn did it right against the Falcons. Overload them. And we've got the guys to go in there and overload. And if it means rushing branch through the interior while the guys are holding it, do it. Put a big bullseye on it. If it means putting it through the edge, targeting the tackles as well. Even though they're strong, you're still going to target them. So the whole line has to do great. Uh, next matchup I had was wide receiver two for the Packers, be it Reed or Dobbs against Jerry Jacobs. Now, Jerry has been the subject of some really harsh criticism with the start of this season. The UDFA from 2021 and 2021? Yeah, the yeah. third, third year now. Yeah, so he has obviously battled his way onto the team. He started much of last year. He's starting this year as well. He's not had the best shake of it. He's given up some poor penalties. He's been good against the run, I do think. But in coverage, he's given up a few DPIs. He's just been a bit aggressive with his hands. And in Reed and Dobbs, you've got two wide receivers. He's going to have to cover one of them. And they've both been quite productive so far. It feels like the Packers really could exploit that matchup. Yeah, and I and I think that I think that in time, Jaden Reed may turn out to be the 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 best all round receiver on on the pack on the Packers team. All right, so but we'll see how that goes as the as the season goes. But because he can do so much, all right, and you know he was the same in college back to when he started his college career at Western Michigan before he went to MSU. Um, you, you know, you can you can. He can, he can he can he can go deep. He can run slants. He can run hitches. You can use him on reverses and ends arounds. He return punts. 
does it you know uh, does does lots of things for for the Packers, and I think he's just going to become more and more productive as the se- as the season goes on. Now, now, none of them have got perfect hands, so there's been a few drops so far for the Packers through three games. One or two crucial drops as well, um, but it's but it, so it's a it's a, it's an area that's interesting because it's one that we probably felt was. I don't want to say a weakness, but I had huge question marks for the Packers going into this season, right? Because particularly with Watson injured, but even with Watson there, you know, we're past the days of, of a Devontae Adams and before that, the Jordy Nelsons and the Donald Drivers of this of, of this world. And so none of us quite knew coming into this season where this group was going to be. And I, and I think it's fair to say this group has so far been better than any of us really could have hoped for without one of them being you know, huge so far. They've all been good. Um, so I would absolutely expect whoever um, is covering Reed is going to have a tough, tough day. And so if Jacobs has struggled so far, I think it's going to be tough. Having said that, again, for me, it comes back to the it comes back to the to the running game because if the Packers cannot run the football, then you're just going to drop more guys into into coverage, and that's going to cause you know, immense problems for the Packers passing game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a matchup, as you've described, the one that the Packers will be looking to exploit. And do you agree that feels like a potential matchup to exploit for Green Bay? Um, I would actually say Musgrave's the one I'm concerned about. Um, we have not done well with tight ends like in forever and a day and his physical makeup, 6'6", 250 pounds. You know, he's getting a lot of usage so far. You know, they're not shy to throw at him and to get, you know, our linebackers are bad in coverage. Like apart from Campbell, unless you're going to play, you know, Campbell's going to play a big part in this game. I think Campbell versus Musgrave is going to be a big battle in this. If we can get Jack in there and nullify the threat of the big tight end, take away the safety net pass passes for Jordan Love, uh, that's going to be huge because we've not come up against, well, I would say we've not come up against the tight end as good as him so far this year. Pitts ain't a tight end. He's a wide receiver and they use him as such. He doesn't count. Um, Musgrave's the prototypical guy we've really struggled against. And we've struggled against Green Bay and their tight ends for a long time now as well. You know, and it's always a matchup they've exploited against us. Mm. So I don't. Sorry, go on, Peter. No, I was going to say that it's just really interesting that, that I think that applies in reverse as well. The Packers have struggled to cover tight ends for a long time, mm-hmm. and so it's it's almost a mirror image situation there with with Sam Laporta and and probably Quay Walker having to having to cover him. So that's an interesting kind of see how those two things pan out. It is, yeah, and and we've drafted Campbell to deal with guys like Musgrave. Like this is this is why he's here. You've seen his ability and coverage so far; it's been really good. And he's got the physical build to be able to deal with him as well. I wouldn't trust Barnes or Rodrigo on him. I love Rodrigo, but guys like two foot bigger than him. So it's that that for me is the big one. The receivers, I respect the receivers, but the tight end is what will kill us. And the tight end is what gives Jordan Love his easy outs, like to give him confidence and to get the ball moving down the field. So that's huge. You keep Musgrave quiet, then you're in business. 
Other final matchup I have before we go on to keys to victory in the score prediction is Amon Rasen Brown versus whatever poor soul has that assignment. I presume Rizal Douglas might be the one to take him, especially if Jair is out. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any slowing him down really since game eight of last year, last year, year before, year before last. Um, he's he's just been on an absolute tear. The only thing that's gonna hurt him is not not getting on the field. Uh, Peter, do you think? that you've got a shot of slowing him down because we talked about this yesterday when we were reviewing Sunday's game. He didn't seem to do much on Sunday, but he got over a hundred yards. And it's like, how do you do that and be low key? I don't get it. Well, and and, and I think that, I mean, obviously the big question mark is whether Jair Alexander plays. Right. So that we don't know. I, I have a feeling he won't play. I have a feeling it's probably too, too early, but we'll see. Um, but I'm actually okay with Rizal Douglas being on Amon Ross and Brown as well, right? So, 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 so Douglas is an underrated corner. He's tough. Mm. Oh yeah, plays the plays the football, right? Will make plays, and he's smart, right? Now, I, I think you have to look at when you get into the upper echelon of wide receivers in this league. They're going to make their catches. They are, right? This is a passing league, and those guys. You know, an Armand Russell Brown is going to catch six, seven, eight, nine balls, however many, but he's going to make those. He is, you know, that that's, you know, barring an injury or some unforeseen circumstances, those guys will make their catches. What's important is they don't make catches that kill you, right? So, so you can give up eight catches for ninety yards. What what you can't give up is ten catches for two hundred yards, right? And 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 thus far, the Packers have been really good about not giving up the big play. Now, with Alexander out, if he again, I'm making that assumption that he's out, and, and Carrington Valentine potentially out, um, I think it's an area, big area of concern uh, for for the Packers. The Packers' safeties can be can be exploited deep. They haven't yet been this season, right? But I but but Savage is better playing closer to the line of scrimmage than he is than it than he is deep. Um, that would be a concern for me. So, yes, it's an area I think the Lions can exploit. The only thing I could say is thus far, the Packers' defence hasn't given up that big play. And Amon Rasen brown I mean, there's it, it doesn't seem like there's anyone stopping that train. No, I think, you know, just to maybe make this a little bit more broader, it's hitting that middle part of the field for us, which is going to be big. Because, I mean, you look at how we'd be the Packers last year, you know, we used a lot of Swift and a lot of St. Brown. Like they got like the most, I think they were the ones who got the two most receptions on the day. And what we were doing, you know, you were getting Swift out into space on the edge, which we'll do with Gibbs this time. You're hitting Amon Ra down the middle. We've got Laporte this time to hit down the middle. And then what that does, it brings the safeties up. Like, as has been said, you bring them up a little bit. And then we were hitting deep bombs to Khalif Raymond, like slipping him in the back opening up that part of the field for us to take the big shots there. So you've got to do that again. It worked very well for us. Use your playmakers in the short and intermediate, bring the defense up and then hit them with the deep guy. So that that's a really big thing for us because, you know, like I say it's, it's how we did it last time. And, and the great thing about the usage of our players so far this year, like Reynolds has had two games where he's been great. And then Laporte has had a game. We're spreading it out. We're not, 
giving we're not giving it away. You know, a certain day, a certain player is going to come in. It's very hard to defend against. You don't know who's going to be the flavor of the day, but they're finding the matchups. They're exploiting them. Amarone will be big, but that middle portion of the field, getting that, taking the defensive line out of the play quite quickly, allows you to hit the deep ball on them. So it, it it's big for sure. If we can exploit that, then we can put points down on them. But you've got to take that D-line out of the equation. And guys like Amon Ra and Gibbs will hopefully do that for us. Moving on to keys to victory, Peter, and you've, I think, alluded to one in particular already for the Packers in terms of running the ball. But if if the Packers are going to win the game, what does it look like? Why why is that going to happen? Yeah, I mean, for, for, for the, from the Packers' perspective, they have to, yeah, I'm, I'm be, beating a... The whatever here, the dead horse, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But but the, the but 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 the Packers have to run the football, right? They have to be effectively effective in running the football. They have to not have penalties that put them, you know, behind the behind the down and distance because they had eleven penalties this past weekend. They ended up in a lots of second and fifteen, you know, first and twenty situations. They can't do that. They cannot be in that in that uh, scenario. And like most NFL games, they have to win the turnover battle, right? Which is, I would suggest, probably the primary reason the Packers are two and one right now rather than one and two is that they've won the turnover battle this season, right? So for me, those are the three keys for the Packers. The fourth one um, is, it's a key, but it's more of a question mark, is what is the injury situation come, come game day? Because the Packers are really badly beaten up. Right, and on the offensive line, they're beaten up. If Alexander can't go, we don't know the situation with Campbell. That they've got that's a key for the Packers. If all of those guys can't go, then it's very difficult to foresee the Packers winning. And and on the Lions' side, if the Lions are going to win here, what what are their keys? They've got to play complementary football for a full game. You saw with the Saints. They played complementary football for a few quarters, but then, you know, they just slipped. The offense stopped scoring. The defense then had too much in on there, allowed them back in the game. You know, this Packers team is injured. It's not got the Hall of Fame quarterback leading them at the minute, but it is still dangerous. And as Peter said, if you don't put them away, they will bite you back. So we've seen our defense have a great week against the Falcons. We saw the offense play really well against the Seahawks, minus the turnovers in there. But for the most part, they've been moving the ball really well. Those two sides of the ball need to come together as one at Lambeau because if you want to be respected as the king in the NFC North, if you want to go out there and say, this is our crown now, nothing less than a perfect performance on both sides of the ball is in order to ensure that you do. And you want to put a statement out there to say, this is no fluke, we are just that good. So, you know be consistent throughout the entire game and just be prepared for a hell of a fight because the Packers will not give up easy. They're at home. It's their turf. They used to run in this conference and they want to show that even with Aaron Rodgers gone, it's still their division. So be prepared for the fight of your life. Play the best game that you can. Just to interrupt with the practice report for the Lions, basically no change apart from Jason Kabinda has been downgraded to no practice today. Everyone else, as you were, Frank Ragnall, did practice in full today. So everyone else who was limited before is limited again. Um, Just to weigh in for myself on keys to victory, for me, it's going to come down to some ancillary players making big 
contributions. So I anticipate Amara getting double teams and that, you know, you try and mark him out of the game. And like we were saying, perhaps it's not successful, but I feel like you kind of have to do that. And I mean, we only targeted four receivers. And if you take out the one target to Jameer on Sunday, we only targeted three receivers, including a tight end on Sunday. So I'm looking for someone like Khalif Raymond or Josh Reynolds to have a big day because Without that, I think we might struggle to progress the ball in the running game. And with all the uh, in the past game, with all the running struggles we've had this season so far, with Gibbs going up the middle and Montgomery probably back, maybe back, or hopefully he can to take the inside runs because it doesn't look like Gibbs' strength is that. And I don't think he was awful on Sunday doing that, but clearly his strength is outside. So I'd love to see one of Raymond and and uh, Reynolds have a big day. The other one is Brock Wright, who we haven't seen much of so far this season, but I'd like to see him get involved. You know, when when he's been given the opportunity to make a play, he's done that in the last couple of years, and we haven't really given him the chance this season. So I'd like to see him be someone who kind of just doesn't get noticed, to have that little chip off the line from the tight end position and release into the flat and that could be a thing. We've identified that in the flat is something that the Packers don't really worry about too much. And so Brock Wright is a guy I'm kind of zeroing in on as someone who could exploit that. Um, let's come on to the score prediction. Uh, Peter, what do you think is going to be the score? I think on pa- I think on paper this is a very this is a very close game, right? So I think that coming into the season, um, I certainly felt that the Lions were the best team in the NFC North. I've seen nothing that changes that at at this point in time. I think the Packers are about where we would have expected them to be, perhaps slightly better, but about where we would have expected them to be. So that to me still says the Lions are the better team. Now it's at Lambeau. There's going to be a tremendous atmosphere on a Thursday night game. However, and this 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 really pains me because nobody wants the Packers to win more than I do. I don't think the Packers can overcome the lack of a running game and the potential injuries that they've got. And I think I think the Lions win this game by a score, maybe seven points. And, what and that, pa- that pains me. That absolutely pains <laughs> I me. I feel but, it but, very much. But, but that's but that's my honest <laughs> that's my honest honest view. <laughs> and what about you? What do you think the, the score's gonna be on, on Thursday? See, I'm I'm with Peter in that I think it's going to be a score. I don't see no blowout either way here. This is, you know, I agree. I think on paper we are the better team, but we have the mentality issues. Like we, we've got to prove ourselves on the biggest stage when they do it all the time. That That's still the, the nagging thing back there. But to me, this genuinely feels like a, a passing of the torch moment where we finally sort of say we're here now and we are for real. And we need a statement win somewhere along the line in the division. And I think this is going to be it. Because I think, you know, the offense, we have the weapons to make. If the offensive line's banged up, we have the versatile weapons to get it out wide. We've got guys who like to pull on the offensive line. You can set the screens up. You can, you can kind of negate that defensive line to a degree, to a point where you can still score points. And I think the defense is starting to figure it out now. Um, I do. The defensive line can carry on doing what it was doing. If we carry on being aggressive and overloading their weak areas, especially in that interior, you can stop the run game and you can get after love. And with Campbell, I think you've got a perfect antidote to the big body tight end who'd hit us over the years. I just think this is our time. So I, for me, 
it's going to be like a low scorer like last year. I think it was 20 to 16. I think this is going to be like 23, 16 to us. Uh, I think it's going to be very gritty. I think it's going to be very hard for, and it's going to come right down to the wire. But this team, for me, is ready now to do it after last week. Yeah, I'm I'm in a very similar boat. I, I don't think this game breaks 40 points. I, I think that the over-under is way too high on this game. It just doesn't seem to me like these defences are going to allow on either side a huge number of points. We just held Atlanta to six. And I mean, I know week to week that doesn't back itself up too often, but I don't see how the Packers are going to score points at a counter. And frankly, with the Packers' defence, I don't see how we score points at a counter. So 21-17, 17-14, that sort of range sounds perfectly reasonable to me. I think it's going to be an exciting game for fans of both sides with, you know, edgier seat, whatever kind of you can seat your pants or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, I think for a neutral, I think this is going to be a, a dull game. Maybe teams that kind of beat each other up and don't score a lot potentially, but we shall see. Uh, I think that we're going to wrap up the audio pod part of the show and just take some questions. We've already had a couple come in. If you're in the YouTube and Twitch chats, Get your questions in at Rural the Lines UK and we'll just answer them off the audio pod. I'm just going to sign off now for that. So our next show is going to be a live reaction show on Thursday night. Yes, we will be up 1am start. Come and watch it with me and Ash on the call. I'm getting better with my score bug live thing, which looks better than it probably is. Um, but good fun to do that. And then the review show on Friday. College podcast is on Wednesday. So Seven days in a row of Roar of the Lions content. You've got to come and watch us all the way through. And you can follow us on our socials on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Roar of the Lions UK. And the Facebook group for Worldwide Fans is Detroit Lions Fans UK, One Pride Worldwide. The website, rotluk.com. Uh, subscribe and rate us five stars if you can. Anything you can do for that, much appreciated. Peter, last word for you on the show. Anything that you want to chat about? What, what have you been doing on the podcast recently? Um, well, like you guys, we've been re- been reviewing um, Packers games over the last few weeks. We've been doing a little some off the cuff stuff, a little bit of Packers history, and um, yeah, just enjoying where we are right now. Because it, like I said, when the season started, we didn't quite know where this was was going to go, and I think that we've at least matched our early season expectations, if not slightly slightly beaten them. So mm. yeah, I think I think we're generally happy guys and. We'll see how we feel on Friday, I guess. Remind me of the name of the podcast again so the guys can find um, it. A- AVG Cheese. Average go. Cheese. Go and check them out and check out the UK and Irish Packers as well. It's probably the most heavily supported UK fan group. I, I think UK and Irish fan group, or is it one of the most fanatical anyway? This is very well supported and it's probably the most well run group I've seen. So if you haven't checked that out before, it's well worth doing. Thanks to Peter for being on the show. You guys on the audio pod, thank you very much for listening. If you want to see the Q&A, check it out on YouTube and Twitch after this. But for now, good luck on Thursday, Peter. Let's go Lions 1 Pride. (laughs) 